0: Welcome to the Steven Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast about something that I think will be immensely helpful to you, um, no matter what your gender is, but particularly if you are a man. I want to talk to you about habits and the brain, habits and the brain. I enjoy reading about brain science. I'm I'm not a scientist. I I just don't have the math skills to have been a a scientist or an MD or uh, any of that. I think I care about people and I enjoy understanding about the body and medicine, but, oh, I just don't have the smarts. Uh, but I do enjoy reading about brain science, and I, there have been some discoveries of late and uh, the bringing together of some research that's been gathered over many years um, that I think can help us to learn how to change, to learn how to overcome some matters that might be troubling us to uh, get over some deformities, maybe some moral deformities that we are challenged with. And, uh, and I think that this will, this will help us. So I'm very, very excited to be talking about this today. Um, you know, what we have learned in recent years, what, what scientists have come to understand, uh, is that the way that we live, uh, the things that we do, the habits we develop, in a sense, lay tracks in the brain. Now, they're not actually footsteps. They're not actually, of course, uh, you know, little pathways that you can see like, uh, you know, walking paths in the park. Um, But they're not unlike that in some ways. Um, In the brain, of course, there are cells. And between those cells, there are brain synapses. Um, and these are little electrical connectors that look like cilia, uh, if you if you know about the design of a cell, the little hairy things on the edge that um, that tend to make electrical connections with other cells are called cilia. And uh, and so when something uh, when we do something, um, the brain synapses, the synapses between the cells uh, connect up and create the electrical connection so that that thing can be done. So to put it in very simplistic terms, um, if I reach up here to my microphone, uh, my brain has uh, issued a number of electrical uh, impulses that go through specific cells uh, so that my hand eventually reaches up and touches the microphone. Well, Uh, That's that's how the brain works. And that's great. And we're thankful for it. And, you know, if I was an expert, I imagine I could take off now explaining why uh, sometimes brain damage produces certain physical limitations or why strokes produce certain limitations Um, that it all has to do with this electricity, so to speak, that works through the brain from cell to cell. Um, and the synapses that conduct this electricity to the right cells um, and, you know, how it can be enhanced, how it can be interrupted, etc. For example... Uh, On the positive side, I know a number of of doctors and and health technicians who will tell you to uh, get good vitamins, drink a lot of water because water helps the brain synapses. And if you are dehydrated, uh, of course, this works against the connections between the cells through these synapses. So there are many, many, many topics that we could discuss uh, related to this topic. However, The one I want to discuss has to do with habits, because when you do a certain thing over and over, you create very specific, very tight, um, very well-worn, so to speak, uh, pathways in the brain. Here's how I'd like for you to think about this. Picture a wheat field that uh, no, that is just pristine. It's beautiful wheat. It's maybe six feet tall, seven feet tall, um, and it's a great big field. Nobody's ever walked through it. Uh, nobody's ever tracked through it. And let's say that you walk through that field uh, from one side to another. You know, you don't have to walk a straight line, but you but you wind around a little bit, and eventually you get to the other side. Now let's say Uh, that you come back the next day of course what you're going to see is a faintly worn place maybe you see just a little bit of corn kind of bent over where you walked and maybe you can just sort of make out where you walked yesterday so you walk that same path again well now of course the path is a little bit more obvious you come back the third day ah yes you can see where you walked because the corn is more bent over or maybe i started with the illustration of grain. Anyway, you get the point. Um, It's a little bit more bent over. It's a little bit more obvious. Well, if you walk that same path uh, for weeks, uh, eventually, of course, it'll be worn down to just dirt. I mean, it'll be a very obvious path. It'll feel like you're walking down a hallway because the the great big stalks of grain or corn uh, are up on either side, and where you walk, it's worn down. This is very much the way it is with the brain. When you do something over and over, you, in a sense, wear a path uh, on the brain, in the brain, that is a not a path, of course, but a series of well-connected cells that are used to working together to facilitate what it is you want to do, what it is you keep telling it to do. So eventually, in the brain, you have a, a cellular path that is a little bit like the path that you've worn in this imaginary grain field or wheat field um, that that eventually becomes a very obvious path and a very natural connection. So this is fantastic for most of our lives because, you know, it means things like um Oh, goodness, it's time to eat. The brain knows it's time to eat. This is a well-worn path. This is something that you know you need to do. Uh, Or you exercise every morning at seven o'clock. And as you continue to do it, you eventually get the brain acclimated to working out at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, Or you have, uh, let's say you read at a certain time of day, you have your private devotions or you read a book at a certain time of day. The, The brain accommodates these habits and makes them not permanent, but facilitates them. Uh, creates that well-worn path through the field that uh, is that network of cells that are ready to do your bidding, so to speak. It's wonderful for habituation. It's wonderful for the things you want to do. Um, if i don 't work out by the time I regularly work out in my day, uh, my body w- wants it my body i wish it was addicted <laughs> it 's not I still have to make a choice um, but but my body wants to go work out my brain says let 's go that it 's time to walk that path. The cells are ready all the everything 's firing as it should. The synapses are all a twitter. Uh, In the old sense of the word, Twitter. So that's good for all the ways that you want to habituate in your life. And most habits are intentional and good and and all of it is just wonderful. Now, where this also helps us is when it comes to negative habits. Uh, Because when you do something you do not want to do or you ought not do or is destructive to you, um, you of course begin to wear exactly the same path in the brain. Again, these the series of brain synapses and cell connections um, that, that facilitate that, that deed. So I'm going to take just for example, because I, I I've already indicated that I'm mainly talking to men, although women have exactly the same thing. They're just as not, not as caveman as we men are. And they can, they're, they've got more supple brains. Um, men get fixed much more rapidly. So let's say that a man, um, starts uh, looking at porn. Uh, his wife falls asleep at night. He lays in bed. He's got his iPad. He's looking at porn. Okay. It may not be a very comfortable illustration, but it is an illustration. Let's say this happens not one night, but the next night and the next night and the night after that and the night after that. Well, what's going on though. He doesn't think of it this way. He is conditioning his brain. Uh, he is conditioning his brain to look for that porn. And that's why, uh, many of us who, you know, fight moral battles with our own souls, whatever it may be, you know, from, whiskey at five o'clock to, to porn, to bad language, to whatever it might be, how in whatever ways we can habituate ourselves, what, uh, what we are doing, whether we realize it or not, is not just making a decision for that day is not just making a decision for that one alcoholic drink or that one moment in porn or that one tirade of bad language or, you know, whatever, uh, what we are doing is laying a pathway in the brain for ongoing bad behavior. And this is what we eventually call an addiction. If a man sort of dabbles around in porn because he strayed off the straight and narrow on his iPad at ten thirty at night when his wife's asleep, um, that's that's uh, something he should stop and, and, and utter a prayer of repentance about. You know, if he's if he's living coram deo in the face of God, uh, and, and that's fine. If he continues to do it, he does it for weeks. Well, he's going to create. He has the potential to create an addiction. Uh, he has the potential. Uh, to get to the point where he's got to have that not just at 1030 at night when his wife's asleep, but he's got to have it all day. He's got to have it every day. Uh, He's got to have ever worse stuff. Initially, he's looking at women in bathing suits down the road. He's looking at horrible, vile, uh, you know, acts and deeds and perversions on bright HD video. And then even that isn't enough. And now he's going out at night to do even worse things. That's the way addictions work. Um, one glass of wine, fine. Two glasses of wine, you know, maybe okay if there's no driving problem and you're not working the next day. Uh, A bottle a day, well, that's going to lead to more than a bottle a day. Uh, You understand where I'm going with this. Uh, Everything can become uh, a a negative addiction if it's taken to an extreme. And you can do it with Oreos just like you can do it with whiskey, just like you can do it with porn, just like you can do it with bad language uh, and even violence. So The good news, though, is that the brain does allow us to rehabituate. Uh, Essentially, it takes about 21 days on average to rehabituate the brain. Let me explain what this means. It means that when we step up to the edge of that wheat field or that cornfield, whatever illustration I started with, and we are going to walk the same path, we have to choose to walk a different path. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not, I'm not just preaching a little sermon here and saying, well, you got to choose differently, amen. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is that you must, you must do something, but do something different than what you have been doing that has been destructive. You see, we have to rehabituate. We have to retrain the brain. And it takes approximately 21 days for us to lay new paths of synapses, so that they take us so that our the want so to speak of our brain the natural lean of our of our self programming uh, is towards something different so using this illustration you come up to the wheat field you're standing at the edge of the wheat field there's the path you've been wearing uh, on on the on the field constantly as you've come every day and walked the same path let's call that path porn just just for just for to continue our illustration well let's say you walk up to it to the edge of it one day. And there's that well-worn path. Um, and the, the, the traditional way of thinking of this is for someone to turn to you at that moment and say, don't walk the path. Well, uh, that's, that's probably not too bad advice, except that for most people, the issue is not to not walk the path. The issue is to walk a new path. You see, our brains want to be doing, and the best way to erase an old habit is to do a new one, not just to stop. Um, I've always loved in the Bible uh, the way that we are often not told to stop doing a certain thing, but there's this language that the Apostle Paul uses where he says, put off the bad thing and put on the good thing. Put off the old man and put on the new man. Put off your sinful habits and put on works of righteousness. You see, it doesn't just say stop. It says, no, you're doing one thing. Now do something different. So the doing is part of it. The doing is the key. And this is why it's such great news, particularly for men. And I want to compliment women here. Women just have more supple brains. They can rehabituate uh, more rapidly and they don't tend to get as entrenched in their habits um as men do as quickly. Men are more Cro Magnon, men, (laughs) they're more cavemen, and if they kill the bear at two o'clock on you know one day they're gonna kill the bear the next day. And if they eat at six twenty three they want to eat at six twenty three the next day. Men are just more habituated. Women have more supple minds, they don't tend to lay the tracks of habits as rapidly, and they certainly can undo them more rapidly. So that what I'm saying is is relevant for women, um, but it's more urgent for men because men can be destroyed by their own habits. So when a man comes up to the edge of the the, the grain field or cornfield and he sees that path and that path is called the porn, well, what he should do is not so much say, stop this, but do something else. I will read a book. I will pray. I will go do some work. I will get up when I'm feeling the temptation to porn and go put my arms around my wife and tell her I love her. I will do that every time I think about porn. Um, I will uh, go out in the yard and chop some wood. Um, I will call a friend and we'll pray together. I mean, there are a thousand different things that can be done. I mean, even eating can be more productive than looking at porn, which which we all know now from the studies destroys so many things about our souls. So the great news here is that we have been made with the capacity for rehabituation, which is, of course, a path to breaking addictions. Now, I'm not suggesting that serious, serious biochemical addictions, you know, 30 years of putting down, you know, an entire bottle of Jim Bean a day could just be undone in 21 days by going for a walk. <laughs> I'm not naive. I know that that person may need rehab, that person may need chemicals, that person may need therapy, but ultimately, what the therapy and what these different helping mechanisms are heading towards is a rehabituation of the brain with the cooperation of the individual. If you are not yet addicted, if you are not just absolutely mired in a biochemical addiction, um, you, you can begin the path to rethinking, to reworking yourself uh, to new habits And since I'm speaking as a Christian, of course, I believe there's the help of the Holy Spirit, there's the help of prayer, there's the help of the power of Scripture. Um, And if you are of a different faith, still these biological mechanisms that I'm describing work. So look at your life and look at where you're laying tracks of behavior that that are, that are become habituation, meaning that you are basically burning a path in your brain of a certain kind of behavior. And if it's destructive, again, when you come to that moment of feeling that that's the direction you want to go, but it's destructive, then do something different. Do the same thing every time you come to it. Um, that's why some of these groups and organizations that, that set up arrangements where a person calls somebody when they're tempted. Um, it really can be as simple as dialing the phone and then having a conversation, uh, rather than taking the drink or rather than diving into the porn or rather than getting violent or rather than, you know, there, there's a way to rehabituate and sometimes very simple things, um, can burn tracks in the brain. I know one man, um, who broke through a certain kind of addiction uh, simply by going and holding his baby every single time that he felt that temptation. Uh, and it simply rehabituated. He was a, he had a fairly light level of addiction. So simply holding the baby and giving him different sensory perceptions and having kind of a different discipline made a massive difference. It's a pretty simple principle, but it normally for the normal person, if they can rehabituate, do something consistently different from the destructive thing they're doing for 21 days, The new system, the new network, the new habituation of brain synapses will overcome the old. And certainly, you will be able to break out of some of these habits. Now, I'm not talking about full-on addictions, but just habits that bring destruction. And men, you need this most of all because we men tend to develop habits, entrench habits, and find it harder to break out of habits than women um, because we're just simpler and dumber mechanisms. Um, so that's why you need a band of brothers to help you. That's why you need guys to say, how's that going? Uh, that's why you need to be doing rather than just talking and trying to break through to a more noble life. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and The Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include *The Faith of George W. Bush*, *The Search for God in Guinness*, Mansfield's *Book of Manly Men*, and *The Miracle of the Kurds*. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us, and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote. Performed and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.